0: On the
1: Record with Gavin Riley, Brought to you by PwC. On News Talk.
0: It's reported yesterday that there could be further moves taken inside the next week or two to restrict the level of short-term lettings in Ireland. This is one of the proposed tactics that the government is now considering to uh, try and increase the supply of housing available for people on the back of increased numbers of homelessness. We're joined on the line by the Minister for Housing, Dara Brian. Dara, can you explain to us exactly what you're considering here?
1: Yeah, I brought this forward as part of the uh, memo uh, the week before last um, we are doing work with regard to short-term lettings anyway, and how the platforms would be re- would be regulated. It's something that I've wanted to do for some time, and works ongoing between my own department and Catherine Martin's department, the Department of Tourism. That's for the more the longer term, but in the short term, with the accommodation crisis that we have right now at the moment, and obviously with 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 um, the job that we have to do to accommodate our friends from Ukraine, we're looking at some measures in the short term. Uh, to restrict the letting of full properties, second properties for uh, for the short-term letting market.
0: So the net effect the, of this then would be that if there's the likes of Airbnb right now where you're able to get a full apartment or a full house, that fewer of those might actually be made available?
1: Yes, uh, in a nutshell, yes, that would be the case. The regulations that went back to 2019 actually do preclude people from, you know, letting out a second property for more than 90 days uh, in, in any given year. With, unless you got planning permission specifically to do that. That's not necessarily being adhered to. Um, we do need to look at the accommodation that we have right now, what's available. I look at cities like Galway, there's a ratio of 20 to 1 of Airbnb-type short-term let properties versus long-term letting. That's something we are going to address through the regulation of the of the platforms themselves, which would mean that basically you wouldn't be able to advertise an apartment unless you had the registration number, i.e. that you were given permission to use it by the local authority for uh, as as a short-term let property. Um, But what what I'm doing right now is uh, working on measures to bring that in more quickly, um, and we're just awaiting some advice from our colleagues in the Attorney's Office as as to the mechanism uh, in which we'll bring that forward. Okay. But I, w- I would expect something in the, in the, in the next week, week C- or two.
0: Can that be done then by ministerial order or is that the sort of thing that needs you to go to the doll and Shannon and get a full act passed? Or how quickly could it all well, happen if, if you, the attorney says you can do it?
1: Well, that's the advice that I'm waiting for. Exactly that, actually, Gavin. Um, and my preference, obviously, is to do it as expeditiously as possible, which would mean by um, ministerial order, but we need to get clarification around that as to whether we might need to put an amendment in one of the pieces of legislation that I have actually in the in the doll and Shannon at the moment, so we could use a vehicle of an existing bill uh, to do that if we needed to. But fundamentally what this is about, not about punishing people in any way, shape or form, it, it's about, you know, recognising the fact that there is an accommodation crisis, we need to utilise our accommodation better, uh, and it will be tightening the, the, the regulations around short-term letting. It's something that... Mm as I said, that I wanted to do for some time. We have made changes in that space. There will be more longer-term changes later this year around the regulation of platforms, which I've already mentioned to you, but this is a shorter-term immediate measure, and I expect to have that advice in this week coming, and I'll proceed from there.
0: Okay, you touched on the, the measure that we need to do to house the Ukrainian refugees that are coming, and I want to come back to that in a minute. But just when you mentioned that the uh, accommodation shortage that there is, um, this week your department published the figures for March 2022, which showed 9,825 individuals were homeless. That is an increase of 3.5% in the previous month. And although it is 7% lower than the all time high, even you in your press release said that the recent increases were a serious cause for concern. What do you put that increase down to? Where are these new homeless individuals coming from?
1: Yeah, it is, look, it is a firstly of serious concern, and our job is to continue to try to reduce the number of uh, people who are experiencing homelessness. And I kind of, I, I did signal these increases a number of months ago. I expected this to happen uh, before supply actually really caught up. Which thankfully, on the social housing side, I might talk about that in a moment, we're seeing you know um, social and private, by the way, record numbers of completions in the first quarter. So expect that balance to tip a couple of things gavin yes from the private rental market there's a portion of people coming through that where we are seeing landlords selling out that's not just this year or last year that has been happening for a number of years now and that's something that that needs to be that we need to address as best we can
0: is it happening in higher um, proportion in the last couple of months than previously
1: not particularly gavin no i think what, what we've seen is this you know as, as values and house values have gone up that there are certain landlords effectively cashing in. They may have their homes mortgaged. They, they may be able to clear that mortgage now. That happens. How this will be addressed is through supply. Uh, we are rolling out more cost rental units, so we'll have hundreds more this year as well. And in fairness, what, overall, we've had thirty just short of 36,000 commencement notices in the 12 months to to February, which is the highest amount since those records were actually collated back mm. in 2011. So there is... positive outlook on the horizon. But to get back to your original question, we are seeing people from the the private rental market. We are also, and I've detailed this within the quarterly statement, a very significant uh, number of people who, yes, we need to look after too, uh, but who are uh, entering the country from uh, EEA and non-EEA, who are going straight into homeless facilities. And it is, you know, it's something that I've discussed at commission level with Commissioner Schmidt, the Commissioner for Integration, and, and has been or for social inclusion, excuse me, and has been part of of meetings that we've had as housing ministers across Europe. Um, it's a significant portion. Gavin ranges for new family homelessness between thirty and forty percent. So, EEA and, and, and
0: non-EEA, and and this is distinct to those from Ukraine, is it?
1: Oh yeah, no, completely separate. And I want to be sorry, very, very clear on this: is that our friends from Ukraine are displaced persons um, uh, who are fleeing a war. They're, absolutely nothing to do with any of these figures that is dealt with completely separately. So then there
0: are people coming from the EEA, that's the European Economic Area and the non-EEA, but people coming from from broader Europe who then aren't coming necessarily as asylum seekers, they're not coming because they're fleeing persecution, they're just coming in pursuit of a better life and they're arriving to Ireland and they're immediately landing in homelessness.
1: Yes. Uh, And there's, that has been on the increase for the last number of months. Um, As I said, it has been a matter of discussions at EU level uh, meetings that i've attended myself uh, and two meetings with the commission as well it's not a situation that's just unique to ireland what it does do it makes it very difficult for us to be able to plan capacity particularly on emergency accommodation for our homeless cohort, because from week to week we can have people you know literally arriving in that week and seeking uh homeless supports uh, and obviously that's not something that we can predict uh, so it, it is Something that um, it, that we are working on with European colleagues to see how we can better address this, while fully respecting people's rights to move within the within the EU. Um, but many of them, who, many of these people who are coming in, uh, are coming in and they're not uh, supported, or they're not in, in any way have the, yeah. um, the resources to support themselves. Mm. Without wanting so to put coming... too
0: fine a point on it, though, why would someone move to Ireland if they're going to immediately arrive into homelessness?
1: Well, Gavin, I'm not going to speculate on that. Um, but you haven't given I, I mean, any
0: any insight as to
1: why that well, might be the case. Well, look, there could be there could be a variety of, of reasons. Each individual is obviously different I'm stating the obvious there too, and their circumstances are different. Um, but it, the the fact of the matter is, it it is a it puts a significant strain on our services and has been doing for a long number of months now. Not exclusively, uh, it it makes up. You ask the question, what makes up our cohort? That is it too, and obviously we have to make sure that we provide the services and support for anyone uh, who registers, you know, in with our homeless services, and we do that as best we can. Okay, it just does add a complication insofar as not being able to plan. But look, the outlook into the future, though, if I could say, for this year, in relation to the provision of social housing, um, we've targeted nine thousand new bills uh, and we're on track to do that, and that will be the largest amount of social homes delivered in any given year in the history of. Mm. 4,100 uh, plus affordable homes for the first time in, in over 10 years and we're doing that and then the remainder being private so the outlook in, for this year and into next and our pipeline is good so I, I you know, we'll be, we're will be we working very hard to reduce that homeless number I brought bringing forward an expedited or a short term voids program and with that we've done that successfully in the last two years where we brought back about 6,000 empty council houses and we've Brought them back in, and obviously allocated them to people well, on the social health. Okay, can for can doing I, that again?
0: Yeah, can I ask you about that? Because that that is one of the things which was put out inside the last couple of weeks. Is maybe something which would be a shorter, medium term response to the crisis posed
1: by the. No, I want to be. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Excuse me for cutting across again. I I read that report uh, that they were saying that there was that this was a Ukraine response. Yeah. It, it is absolutely not a Ukraine response. I want to be really, really clear with people again. I've said that time and time again. Is this is the program that I've run since I took over as minister. We've done it very successfully and what it, what it is basically is that the department through me gives each local authority a target and the finance to bring back empty social homes and speed that up only on the basis that the homes are allocated and occupied by the end of the year and that is absolutely to our, our, our people who are waiting on the social housing list mm. so I'm glad to be able to give them another opportunity yeah. through your own show to make that abundantly clear.
0: Okay, so if it's not specifically targeted then as a response to, to the the crisis posed by Ukraine, if it's just what you're doing anyway, then I, I suppose it, it begs the same question really as would be raised by Ukraine anyway, that if it were possible to expand the voids process and if it were possible to do all these other things, then why weren't they done before now? Like, we, we've I, had t- under, we've I, had ar- around 10,000 homeless people for the last three years now, and if it was possible to find another thing to do, another thing to do, and, and you weren't just really, dependent on resources, we were constantly told that money wasn't an issue. So if it was always possible to do these things, why weren't they done before now?
1: Well, we actually, I've just said, Gavin, that we actually were doing that. But, but if you've announced minister, an
0: expanded um, voids program, that means that it, so it was capable of expansion. Me,
1: may, maybe let me just explain this, Uh Gavin. It's a targeted program. The first two years, we brought back on average 3,000 voids each year. 2020, 3,000 there, thereabouts. The same in 2021, a little bit less, but overall around 6,000. This year, we're targeting about 2,400 to 2,500 uh, voids. So it's something that we've consistently done uh, since I took over as minister. So... This was being done as well in relation to the use of vacant properties and um, repurposing of buildings. Obviously, this is an emergency response to a war. And what we're looking at doing is the the additional accommodation that we're bringing in is in addition to what we're doing in housing for all. But we have been converting uh, you know, older buildings. I was in Waterford and St. Joseph's old convent where we're actually putting in 72 uh, fine one and two bedroom apartments for seniors there worked with Waterford County Council through our repair and lease scheme. On the private side, we brought back about 2,600 vacant homes in the last year as well. So what we're doing now is obviously with the largest movement of people in continental Europe since World War II, uh, with the, the biggest influx of people that we've had into our country in the last 8, eight 10 weeks uh, ever is actually looking at other measures that we can to bring in more short-term but, accommodation, but, uh, which but, we're doing.
0: But the point remains, though, Minister, that if it were possible to do more, and if you now find that there is scope to do more, why wasn't that more being done Gavin, for the last we've three actually, years?
1: Okay, if we can say this, two things. We've had, since, since I came in as Minister on the 29th of June 2020, we've obviously had two significant construction shutdowns through COVID. Mm. But were we, even with that, we've been able to deliver in 2021 about 1,400 more social homes than we did in 2020, about 9,800 social homes between build, acquisition and lease. They're new homes for real families, and we've been ramping that up. We've been bringing forward affordable housing legislation that wasn't there before. Cost rental didn't exist. We've hundreds of tenancies in place now. Mm. What is cost rental? It's basically below market, uh, state-backed, long-term rents for working people. And we're looking at, you know, paying 50% of what's out there in the okay, market. Hundreds and, more and, and, and no, so, no one
0: will dispute that they're there and you're expanding those programs and that's all very welcome and it's all very urgent. But but does the principle not remain that if it was possible to do more to bring vacant properties or voids back into line and you are now expanding those programs, why weren't they expanded to that degree in the last two years? Well, Gavin, like you said, you've, what, you've been in office now for 22 months.
1: Gavin, what, I've actually, what I've actually been saying is we have been doing that. Uh, what we're doing now is repurposing non-council buildings, other public buildings, as a response to the war. So if I take it like an old hospital, we're not going to be necessarily, you know, turning that old ho- hospital into 200 new apartments. We'll be looking at partitioning those units, giving privacy, making sure people are safe and secure. Are they long-term units, you know, in the repurposing? Many of them will not be. So this is not something that we would, you know, this is this like every state in Europe, is a response to uh, to a war situation where we're bringing in emergency measures. We need additional resources to do it, and we're doing that. Uh, you know, we, we need more people to work on. That's why I've engaged with uh, with the sector again, uh, which we do we full housing so much in relation to our emergency response. But if I could say this as well, many of the things that we will be doing will help overall. Our people want us to help our friends from Ukraine too. We're still going to be very focused on delivering more social and affordable homes than ever before, Mm. and thankfully, as I said just at the start of the show, is the outlook there, even with all the difficulties, with inflation, with the war, supply chain, the the industry is responding well to the Housing for All plan, and we're seeing completions at a rate and commencement notices at a rate that we have not seen before. So progress is being made, uh, notwithstanding the fact that we are rightly so duty-bound and morally-bound to support our friends in okay. Ukraine who are fleeing tyranny.
0: Uh, and on that note, there there has been discussion, you've been holding open the prospect of the last couple of weeks now for suspending some parts of the Planning Acts, which would yeah. allow for then expedited delivery on some sites if they were identified as such. At what point will you make a decision around suspending those so that you could have maybe quicker delivery of the likes of modular homes on those sites?
1: Well, I, I suppose there's a number, number of facets to it, but I've got authority from Cabinet to do that very thing now, under Section 1812 of the Planning Act, and this firstly will focus on potentially unactivated planning permissions. Uh, are there conditions there that can be set aside in the short term? And not just to deliver modular homes, I would say. I would say permanent homes too. Uh, modular is part of the response, but only part of it. Uh, and I have the the authority now from Cabinet to be able to start to use uh, th- those powers where appropriate. We've just set up the structure to do that. So what does that look like? Is that... I have already written to all local authorities asked them to come forward to me with land in addition to what we've identified already for social and affordable housing. So I want to be clear about this. This is in addition to lands that we're already planning to build on that are serviced, uh, that are well located and to bring them forward to me. Some will have planning, others will not. And I'm setting up what's called a clearing house within my department, which will be chaired by a Retired senior chief executive who will make recommendations to me.
0: Okay, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to go back over the, the same point again. But if these are sites that local authorities already had, I, I could no, maybe been not no. Listen
1: to me. Sorry, Gavin. You're not. You're not. Maybe. Maybe I didn't explain it well enough. So excuse me for cutting. But, it, but okay. Local. Well, then we may, maybe but, just
0: let me to frame it just so that we're clear exactly what we're talking about. That if there are sites which are there, which may be serviced, which may be there, which hadn't previously been identified as being intended for use for for social housing or anything else, but sites which are there and may be serviced and if it was possible to suspend planning laws in the last couple of years to make sure you had quicker delivery of homes which are not just modular but permanent homes why wasn't it being done
1: let me just explain this again okay the situation is we've identified lands through our county development plans we've lost to follow here that in each of the 31 local authorities our councillors put to put forward their development plans they zone lands on with recommendations from local authority management with the planners they plan them well so we've land identified for residential development already, uh, and they're ones that will be delivered already. Again, as a response to the war, and every state in Europe is, is have emergency responses, we're looking at potentially using lands that had not previously been identified, may not be zoned for housing, and have not been identified or planned on being built on uh, under housing for all, maybe in private ownership, maybe in public ownership, and we're just doing that for all right now. So what I've done is I've asked the local authorities to coordinate that and to bring forward some proposals to us, and this is as a response to to uh, the war situation. Now, the law is very clear on this. Uh, Section 1812 uh, of the Planning Act relates to extreme emergencies. We're already ramping up our supply uh, of homes, through, um, of social homes and affordable homes, which I've already mentioned to a level never seen before. This again is is potentially in addition. It could help the overall situation into the future. But I have said very clearly that we will use every lever available to us uh, to be able to not only tackle our own housing crisis, which progress is being made on, but also as a response to what's happening in Europe. And we're right to do that. And as I said, it could be a mix of private and public lands. It could be looking at existing planning permissions that are stalled, which again, we're doing already and have been. It's just, it's just re-looking at that, and that's the mechanism which will do it through uh, emergency planning mm-hmm. powers that are there under Section 181-2, but that can only be used in extremists. Uh, you know, we've got to respect the fact that our public as well, um, and rightly so, are entitled to make observations on planning regularly Do mm. It's an open, transparent process, so you don't just set that aside lightly, and uh, nor would anyone expect me to do so, because it would be open to a challenge.
0: So no, but... That's, but, but... That,
1: that, well, that, that's the fact of it. No, no, true, no, and, and absolutely no fine,
0: but but if we've had a situation where one in 500 people has been homeless for the last two and a half years, people might argue that we'd already fulfilled those criteria.
1: Well, Gavin, what I would say to you as well is there's no one more acutely aware of the situation and homelessness than I and the responsibilities to, to make uh, serious progress in that space, and we have done. We have done through Housing First in particular, and what's Housing First is looking after those who have been at the, the sharpest end of homelessness, people sleeping on the streets, uh, rough sleepers, people with addiction, We've exceeded our targets there, over 700 new tenancies in that place, taking people from the streets and giving them the wraparound support that they need, not just the homes. And I'm further expanding that program with another 1,400 tenancies through Housing First and, and and branching it out nationwide. So a lot of good work has been done there, and we'll continue to do it. And I, I chair our National Homeless Action Committee myself, which mm-hmm. is a committee that set up a standing committee made up of the NGOs, the people on the front line, and the relevant government departments, and we are making progress in that space. I am acutely aware of the responsibilities that I have to help people who find themselves in a situation where they're homeless, that the state helps them. And we do, and thankfully, Gavin, uh, the numbers of rough sleepers, even with the recent increases that we've seen over the past few months in homelessness, has continued to decline, okay? And we've continued to provide good emergency accommodation, and we'll do that, but I want permanent support for people My response to homelessness is a housing-led response which is increasing the supply in both public and private which is not trying to block social housing developments, delay them through local authorities to try to deliver them.
0: All right. Uh, We're out of time. Uh, Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage, Dara O'Brien, thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime on The Record. Appreciate your time. On The Record
1: with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday morning at 11. On News Talk.